Ben has found an article. That I have. Laura has no idea what it is. I well, don't. Well, she knows what I, it's about, well, but you don't yes. know any of the, the categories just they're, yet. They're just technically just listed out, but I've decided I'm going to rank them. Can she is. That, but I, might decide I did to not. Rank them. Um, and I remind her that this isn't ranked, but she wants to rank it anyways. But it is an article that Ken found that just talks about six different um, attributes. Six different traits. traits. There we go. For PTAs. Yeah. For PTAs. And I know we've kind of done some stuff similar to this, but we wanted to go off of another list and see what we thought and um, given our opinions on whether or not we find it valuable or... How important the traits are. Yeah. So. All right. Let's go. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken and Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. All right, Ken, you uh, take right. it away. Well, I mean, we're just getting straight into So number one, let's just... We're just going for it. You know, you know what we're doing. You heard the intro. If you didn't, then uh, go back and listen to the intro. <laughs> so number one, good communication skills. Yes, that's a must. So we talked about uh, a couple episodes back, we asked our PT um, as far as what's something they look for when hiring a PTA. And in our giant pool of PTs that we asked, a total of two, um, (laughs) both agreed that um, communicating uh, and being able to just have a conversation is one of the biggest skills a PTA can possess. Because they and, said they could teach the hands-on. Yeah, because a lot of the skills are all hands-on. Everything you learn in school, like they might change things up depending on what they like and what they do. But if you just can't communicate with either the patients or your colleagues, then it makes the job a lot more difficult. And that's why they'll throw in those random questions of, do you prefer donuts over bagels? And it's not really donuts. to not hire you if you prefer bagels over donuts. It's just to see if you can maintain a conversation about some random topic and the thing too is like justify your your reasoning too because you will be doing a lot of that in general with along with holding a conversation you're going to be justifying a lot of your work so if you can't communicate that clearly to your patients then there's going to be a lack of trust there so it's not just even holding your own which is like having a good conversation and being able to talk to people but it's also justifying within that and communicating it clearly so and there are so many different ways you can apply this skill when working but for me right now off the top of my head what i'm thinking of is let's say you're you go into a patient and they tell you that there is that they had a fall or they had a car accident something that there was a change of status those are things that you need to be attentively looking for listening and being able to communicate that with your pt because now all of a sudden this is not the same. If they're mm-hmm. post-op and they feel like they tweaked it and they can't even lift their arm anymore after their shoulder surgery, again, these are things that you need to be able to communicate, not just with the patient like, hey, we're going to take a look at this. I'm going to get the PT. They're going to take a look at this and then we'll go from there. And whether anything's wrong or not, that's not really the idea behind it. It's just the it's just acting upon seeing that there's something that's changed and being able to communicate that effectively. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think too, for me, like another way of showing it 
if you would have come into one of my sessions yesterday or the other day, um, you would have thought me and the patient weren't working at all because we were just talking the whole entire time. But with that patient, she's not a consistent patient. She, um, you could tell she was kind of uncomfortable the first couple times she came in. And so now like we're setting up a relationship where she felt so comfortable. She felt really good afterwards. Like when she left, she was like, oh, I felt good. Like I re- exercises went great today. Like it, it would just kind of help calm her and ease her by finding a middle ground that both of us could just have fun, just literally talking and being real with at the same time. Um, so I think there's so many different ways that this skill is so important. And I, and I agree with it being number one. I think it is a number one skill that is required from all of us. Um, and then just the last point before we go on to number two that they mention um, in the article itself, which I think is a great point, is not only do you have to communicate with the patient and the PT, but there will be times where you have to communicate with the patient's family members. Mm-hmm. So we have a patient right now where there are some cognitive deficits. So when it comes to patient education and making sure that they're keeping up with things at home, it's now you have to take that next step and initiate those communication skills with their family members because they're the ones that are going to have to implicate it at home. Um, really big when it comes to peds as well. Um, I worked with, mm-hmm. um, I think he was eight or nine years old. He had cerebral palsy. Um, and super spastic along the knees, barely had any knee flexion and, um, hip extension. So he was always kind of in that kind of crouched position. So when I was doing his treatment, the entire time I had to communicate to the mother in a way that she can understand of why I'm doing what I'm doing and what she needs to be able to do at home so that when they come in, their treatments become more effective. So communicating with the family members definitely has to take that step above once you start working in more of the peds clinics or when working with those patients that have those cognitive deficits. Agree. All right. Number two. Uh, Number two, a sincere desire to help people and improve their quality of life. This one even has a little bold, bold statement underneath it saying it can't be faked or learned. It has to be sincere and that comes with from within. Oh, Laura seems like she disagrees. Well, okay. Here's the thing. I agree and disagree. Let me let me explain why. So I think in the long run to stay in this field, I think that is completely true. However, though, to come in the field and start working, I don't think, I think you can last a couple years doing this job and not really care about actually improving people's lives. Like you could get through of this just being a job. However, you're going to burn out so fast because that's what healthcare does to you. Um, so if you don't have the passion to actually help the people, you're just going to be like, I'm done. I'm out. So it's not necessarily, I'm not saying that everybody who burns out has that. I'm just saying like pe- people can get into this role and they can work in this role. And I think they can get away and fake it for a couple of years, but it's just not going to last permanently. If that makes sense. Um, I agree. Yeah. So I, I, um, like, I, almost... I kind of agree and disagree with it, I guess. I would just kind of take it a step behind that. Um, I don't think anybody going into this field doesn't have the sincere desire to help people because this, this field is not very lucrative. We're not here making a whole bunch of money. It's like, Oh, I'm gonna do this and you know, go drive my Bentley down the road. Like you kind of get into this field because you want to help people. You do have some sort of passion for it. Um, I find it much harder to find people that 
don't really care about anything of this at all and go into it. Yeah, I agree. I would say like 99% of us, but I've, I've, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule, but and it's, it's those who look at it and they, they find it and they're like, Oh, healthcare. Oh, look, it's a associate's degree. I don't have to go to school that long. And you know, it does make decent money for just getting an associate's degree. If you go right into it, if you're just looking to get out of maybe uh, retail or something like that, like it doesn't look bad up front. Um, and I don't think they go in with necessarily the wrong intentions. It's they're just looking for in their mind a, a job, a paycheck. And it, it's they're just kind of like, I'm going to do what I need to do. Um, where I would say, you know, 99 percent of us really, really invest in wanting our patients to get better and really wanting the best outcome for them. We don't we can't we have a hard time walking away and just being like, it's just a job like walk away. <laughs> Um, which can sometimes hurt us a little bit because we can get a little too invested sometimes. But, um, you know, I do think there is that 1%. Again, I'm not even saying it's fully 1%, but there is those few, far and few between. So I can't say I fully agree with that statement. Um, but just to kind of read the description on why this is the title of the title. Um, so what it says is the fact that PTA is just, inflict pain on purpose through exercise and therapy they're saying that being a pta is not easy so you have to have that that kind of desire to help them and improve their quality of life even though you are kind of hurting them in the process so it's kind of understanding that what you're doing is to help the patient help them improve um again that kind of just goes back to number one and communicating I mean, I've had patients that guard like crazy. They don't want me to move their shoulder, but you tell them like, you kind of have to go through the cycle a little bit. I, and there is a limit. It's not no pain, no gain. I'm not going to just completely crank on your shoulder, but they have to understand. You have to communicate with them. Like you kind of have to um, grit your teeth, teeth a little bit. You kind of have to go through it. I know these exercises aren't the most fun and you love doing them, but they will help them in the long run. And you kind of have to stand your ground sometimes because some patients just will just baby it till the end of time. And then guess who they blame when they don't get better us Mm -hmm. because it's like, Oh, I've been here for three months and I'm exactly where I started. I was like, well, you're still on pulleys because you refuse to do any cane work. Yeah, no, I agree. And kind you took that one from me of the, the whole <laughs> goes back to number one. I was thinking the exact same thing when you were talking about it. I was like, right as you said it, I was like, I was good. <laughs> I was like, say mine right there. See, now you know um, how it feels, Laura. I know. I made sure to be good and I know this time. <laughs> I'm working on it, guys. I can tell. Not, You're doing good so far, Laura. Perfect. <laughs> I applaud you. <laughs> All right. Number three, though. All right. Number three. Um, I mean, I think this one is pretty. Um, pretty fair the ability to work independently while still being a team player yeah yeah i i 100 agree because i think that fits no matter what every single setting you're at because even if you're in home health you're completely it feels like you're completely independent because you're out and about you're doing your own thing um you know no one else is right around you you're responsible for that whole entire treatment time however though you have to be a team player because you're communicating what that patient needs back to the PT, uh, back to your scheduling staff. Like, um, 
back to those who are going to get authorization for that patient. So like you have to be team pillar there where I would say somewhere in a skilled setting, for example, you, you, you feel a little bit more of that team atmosphere because you guys are usually on site. And definitely if you're working with other team members, as in like uh, OT or speech or nursing, like you have to coordinate your time. So like you're having to work as a team in that way. Um, you might have to joint do joint treatments because of a patient uh, might need them. So you have to coordinate a lot more. Um, outpatient, I think it just, no matter what, feels like a team because you're kind of, usually it's busier. Um, usually you have more people. It's a smaller area. Um, you're communicating back and forth what scheduling looks like, what uh, patients need what, who's coming in, any special differences. You're, you know, responsible for seeing a lot of patients too. So communicating any updates to the PT or even to the front or back end staff who need to get something. If a patient needs a new RX or if a patient needs um, a special day to get scheduled, like all those different things um, play a part. And so I definitely like, I would even put that one over, I would put that as number two. Well, just, I don't think they're really ranked. They're just oh, six I'm ranking traits. Them. I can tell you're ranking them, but I don't think they're actually ranked. I'm uh, it's funny that you bring up home health because that's actually an example they actually bring up in the article as well. Look at that. Um, but I agree. Um, there's a lot of teamwork that's involved, but at the same time, you have your own patients. You have your own caseload. Um, no one really holds your hand in this field. Mm-hmm. Maybe when you first get started, people kind of show you the ropes, introduce you to patients, show you the techniques that they want to employ. But once you kind of done getting your feet wet it's it's all you um you go into patients rooms by yourself whether you're in the hospital outpatient peds wherever you go you still have to be able to work on your own keep your keep yourself accountable for things and um, at the same time be able to communicate back to number one which i'm sure we're going to be bringing that up almost in every single category but it's so important it really it is, is extremely important like I mean, all right you can't you can't do this job without number one Number four. Oh, I actually Again, kind of already mentioned them. it. <laughs> I can tell you're ranking them, but on to number four. Um, just having a high degree of professionalism. Yeah. I, that one I just feel like goes for any job, though. I don't really necessarily feel like it's geared towards our job, but. That's actually yeah. what I was going to say as well. I'm like, I feel like any career, any job, any setting, like, you, you should just be pro professionalism and again that doesn't mean that you can't be having good conversations like i can't tell you i i'm a big disney person i will go hour an hour with a patient when we will talk disney if they're a big disney person um and that's nothing that's not not professional about that um i'm getting to know the patient that way i i you know we have quickly i go we had an acl patient who's a big disney person and she loves going to disneyland and I was like, okay, so we got to get you up and being able to stand in lines. Like it, it gives me an insight to their life and what they like to do too, by having those deeper conversations and finding out what you guys have in mutual grounds and just talking about different things. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think that's not professional. Like if you continue to go on and maybe instead of doing, you know, an exercise, you're just sitting there talking 
that's where where you need to roll it back. But if you're doing you're if you're having a conversation while they're exercising, then by all means, I think it's you're it, good. it's funny when you mention that she has to be able to stand in lines because for her knee and everything. So the first thing I thought of was okay. So for like forty five minutes of her treatment, do you just have her stand in one spot <laughs> and maybe every like minute or so you just have her take a step or two? It's like all right, all right this is going to be your treatment today. You're just going to be practicing. Uh, prolonged standing getting ready for disneyland no, we did what talk about things like that we're like all right how are you gonna get in with your brace like this all right okay all right this is space mountain <laughs> i need you to be able to hop into the spaceship right here and uh let's see how you do it um <laughs> but i agree with you as far as like i feel like this article is kind of more geared towards ptas but at the same time the degree of professionalism really does apply to just about every field, no matter what you're doing. Um, even when they kind of, and I'm reading the description, it's still kind of back to either communication, speaking with doctors, family members, um, and just kind of communicating with your supervising PT and whatnot. And like you said, like there's a time and place for certain conversations. Um, what we've been, what we get told all the time, and I'm sure everybody does. Um, if you don't know it, then, Listen to me now. Everybody just raise the volume for a sec. Turn off your phones and just pay attention. Anytime people bring up religion, mm. politics, mm. Um, what news. else is there? Just news. news in general. You just shut that down real quick. And even if you agree with what they're saying, you still shut that down. And if you're in a room working with the patient, Maybe you'll get away with it for a little bit, but when you're in the gym working with people, if there are people around you, and I say this from experience because we've had fights break out, people Legit, like, raising their voices and start saying "meet me outside" type of deal. It is, that. yeah, that. that. <laughs> um, it's just there's a time and a place, and when they're in their therapy, that is not the time or place yeah you you got a lot those are high emotional topics um we kind of like to say and those are topics that everyone's gonna have a very strong opinion on usually and those can get heated very quickly so whether it's even with you or um with uh another patient, it's just one of those things to avoid um be good at finding things to deter that just kind of changing the conversation some people are always going to circle back to, but if you don't feed into it, that's going to be better for your situation. Um, the other note I want to add, add on this um, is this is where our skills of just being able to kind of read people and read the room are really important because you might be able to, you know, have a little bit more lively conversation, joke around with the conversation with a patient and that still be professional. Um, but just know who you're, you're talking to because some person what you see as professional might be different to someone else and so kind of just be able to read that situation and adjust to it too um for example our older population is usually going to be a little bit more straightforward they like things done a certain way and they they don't they have these expectations for you to meet and that's their level of professionalism that's what they see where the younger generation you know if you pick up your phone and look at it real quick, they're, they're not going to think much of it. Um, but again, like I said, the older population, if you pick up that phone, 
that, that to them is already disrespectful in a way to their treatment time. So, um, so where would you rank high degree of professionalism? This is number six, four, number four, three. I'm bumping, I'm bumping two down. The still. sincere desire to help people. Yeah. Cause my guy is, I still think you can get, I'm not saying that I like, Oh, you're not saying I it's not important. Get I, I get it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think these are more important than. Yeah, I I, I get what you're. I'm yeah. picking up what you're putting down. Like I think it's really important, but. All right, um, we got two left. Number five, a good motivator and advocate. Yeah, I think that's just having a good positive. Well, I just think that's having a good positive. Um. I mean, I feel like it goes with number two: the sincere yeah. desire to help people. Yeah, that's why. Because if like, you mean you have a desire to help people, you're also going to probably be a good motivator. Good I'm, I'm like, ranging someone's shoulder; they start crying. I'll be like, "Come on, you can do it. Suck that tear back in. Come on, push through, yeah. push through." Yeah, yeah, and the thing is too is I'm like I, again, I don't necessarily think it's mandatory to have to do this job. Um, I think it makes you better at your job, um, but I think some people can get away with without that. Which again, I I don't think is great by any means, but um, I, I mean, it definitely I, takes you take I, your skills I, to the next level. Yeah, I it's think definitely it's a good to thing have. to have. Yeah, I think you got to so fight we for agree your patient. Um, yeah, definitely the advocate side of things too. Um, just kind of looking at what's going on and just um, being able to communicate on their behalf as well. Sometimes patients don't really speak up their own needs and wants the best. Um, as PTAs, you are going to most likely see the patients more often than the PTs will, at least in an outpatient mm-hmm. setting. So they will tell you things that maybe they haven't even had a chance to tell the PT or they haven't told the PT, whatever the case may be. So you need to be able to take what they tell you, advocate for them, communicate with the PT. And I mean, again, it's always going to go back to that number one, but um with us being around the patients so much, we will be hearing things that the PT won't. So mm-hmm. de- again, definitely a good skill to have. I, I agree with Laura. I don't think it's like absolutely mandatory. And if you don't have it, it's like a. I'll keep um, it at five. Okay. I mean, no, it's <laughs> fair. I feel like kind of goes with two. Yeah, exactly. So two's now, now four and five is still five. All right. So let's round this episode out. And Last get one. our weekend started, even though it's not technically the it's weekend hockey. yet. But um, number six, good problem solving skills. Yeah, I, I, I think I honestly, I'm bumping this to number two. Wow. Um. Yes. Again, I this isn't really ranked, but no, it was ranked in Laura's head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bumping it to number two. I think you can't do this job without problems. Like no matter what happens every single day, there's going to be something that comes in that you're not expecting that throws you for a loop that you need to change up your whole entire plan. Um, and you've got to be able to problem solve through that. You have to have reasonable thinking, um, your clinical judgment. I, I, I think it is very important and I don't think you can do this job without it. Like you can't even fake it through it um, because eventually it will catch up and you'll end up hurting someone if you don't. 
Um, for example, like you were saying, someone who comes in with the fall, you need to be able to commu- like adjust. You've got a problem through solve through that. And it's like, okay, well, they had a fall. Let me figure out what's going on. Okay, let me communicate with them a PT. So that just throws off everything that I originally had planned for you walking in this door and doing. Um, because I need to now clear through these steps. And there's some, like, there's, I'm not saying every single fall, like, I'm pretty good. I always communicate any sort of fall with PTs, um, just because I know they like to know that information. But usually I've already vetted it through my mind on whether or not they're good to go. Um, I kind of have a good idea of what, what is clear. Um, but for example, a perfect example the other day, actually, is we had a patient who, He's previously falled a couple times, but nothing severe. Um, I had my surgery, came back, come to find out he fell, was in the, went to the ER. Um, they said something about his ribs. And so we were like, okay, well, he's on hold right now until like we figure out like, well, like he took a couple days off and canceled his ones. And we're like, okay, we'll see what happens. Well, they had given a call. My PT was in the middle of an eval and they had an appointment that day. And the daughter had called and said, he can't turn without falling and losing his balance. He's super dizzy. Like, um, you know, we're, I'm pretty sure he hit his head, but he didn't tell them that at the, um, uh, ER and I use my clinical judgment and she's like, I don't know if we should just still come in today or not. And I said, don't come in. Um, she's like, we have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. And I was like, don't come in. Let's see what the doctor says. Um, and then after that, you know, Based off of what the doctor wants to do, then we'll, we'll continue forward if we want. If we need to go on hold for anything, then we'll go on hold. But let's get him fully medically cleared before coming back in. Now, I didn't go check with my PT before giving that statement because of the fact that um, a, she was super busy and I, I knew the answer. I really knew the answer. And again, I worked in this field long enough and I worked, I worked closely with my PT that I kind of I kind of know. Um, but you know, she came over and she's like, Hey, what was going on? Let her know. And she's like, perfect. Thanks. But again, you need to be able to walk yourself through that and, you know, ask more questions and you got to use that problem solving and that clinical judgment. Um, because to me, problem solving equals up with clinical judgment. Um, and you, you got to do that and figure, like be able to do it because if he, he had come in, you told him to come in, and then you're the only one there and something happens, that's on your watch. You already had symptoms beforehand that, you know, he he should have been checked out prior. Not by you, by a, a, an actual um, physician. So, I don't know. That's why, to me, I'm like, you can't, you cannot make it through this field faking clinical judgment or problem solving. No, I, I agree 100%. Um, to take a turn towards the other side of just patient safety just so that I don't re- reiterate what you said um I also feel the same I feel like problem solving and just clinical judgment goes a long way and it's one thing that will get better with experience mm-hmm. yes 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 so yes, this yes. isn't this is not like a oh you don't have this skill okay you can't be a PTA type of deal um it just starts at the basics and as you get exposed to more and more situations, kind of like what Laura's saying, like she knows her PT, she knows what the PT would have said, like she, um, like just the situation itself to her was familiar, she already knew what to do. Uh, maybe if she was a new grad, this is like her second week, 
I'd be then maybe in. completely different. She would definitely be checking <laughs> in with her supervisor PT, like, "Hey, um, I'm sorry to." Can you hold real quick? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get your therapist. Um, so again, this isn't something that you just get right off the bat. Um, with time, with experience, you will get much, much better at this. Um, on the other side of not patient safety, but just for the patient's sake, when it comes to just exercises um, themselves, mm-hmm. if you have a patient like, "Oh, I can't do it." because it hurts when I lay on my back. Okay, so let's go ahead and switch it to sitting down. If, like, we had um, a swimmer, um, just like a high school swimmer, who would get vertigo when he would do his little flip turn push thing. I'm sorry to all the swimmers, Laura. It's literally just called the flip turn. Okay, the flip (laughs) turn. Um, So every time we did the flip turn, he would get extremely dizzy and just get disoriented every time. So he had crystals. How would you treat this patient? Like, okay, this isn't something normal. Like as far as like, oh, let's just go do some lower trunk rotations and bridges. And we really had to think outside the box on how to just get him back to not getting disoriented with flip turns. Laura's over here just trying to process like, how would I do it? Well, I'm thinking, I'm like, well, what was he tested for? I just want to kind of, I'm curious. What was he tested for? Like, did he go through any uh, vestibular testing? Yeah. So we did a lot of, so we did a lot of vestibular work, uh, yeah. a lot of habituation. Again, it's really hard to mimic a flip turn when uh, underwater when we don't have a pool okay. um, at the you same time. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, he only would get it when he's swimming. Yeah, you could, uh, if anybody's listening, a flip turn is pretty much like doing a tumble on the ground. I think, ex- but it only happens when he's in the water. So, it was f- okay, okay. So, we don't know if, like, the water so it's not, somehow. It's gra- well, when he's doing a flip turn, you don't have gravity, all the forces are in different direction. So, See? your forces. So, again, are- this is problem solving, this is clinical kind of figuring things out. Welcome this to is, my brain, guys. <laughs> so again, like this, I mean, if there's like, this was during my rotation too. So I'm like, well, shoot, I have no idea. So like my CI really took care of it. She's, she was practicing for like 10 years at the time. And even her, she had to really dig deep and figure That's out different Google. ways to kind of. Don't be afraid of Google sometime, guys. Yes. And then use your knowledge to decipher what's real and That's what's good, BS. And what's not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that problem solving is extremely important as well. Um, I think Laura said you'd put this as number two, which I'd probably agree. I mean, it kind of goes with communication, but, um, if you don't have the problem solving skills, it might just take a little longer to figure out some things. You're going to figure out if you don't have the problem skills, because some people just their brains don't work that way and it's okay. It just means you're stronger in a different suit, but that's going to pop up in, in school. And those are probably um, the people who are not going to continue on in school. So if you're already out of school or you're in the middle of school and you're, you're freaking out about it, don't worry. There's still room to, to growth, uh, grow. Um, don't, don't freak out if you don't feel like you get it right away though. It just might be something you have to practice more on. I agree. All right. Well, with that, um, I will leave the link for this article uh, down in the description if anybody wants to read it. 
the credit goes to them who wrote it, not us. We just kind of yeah. stumbled upon it and then just kind of wanted to put our two cents um, as far as like practically and how and we've it, come across it. And then Laura wants to rank it. So <laughs> I'll leave the link down below. Um, thank you so much for listening. We hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. It's hockey the heat playoffs. is coming. It's hockey playoffs. I don't know where you are, where everybody's at, but we're in Vegas and it's about to get ridiculously It'll be hot. crazy in town. But our, let's go Knights. I'm going to put it out there. Yeah, if we have some, uh, we some, got Florida, some Florida, listeners. Florida fans, listeners. Uh, Yo, we, we just, just hope we hope for a good, good game. game. Yeah, good game. Right? <laughs> it's the first time either team will win a cup. So it'll be fun. Regardless, um, I'm just be happy for, for whoever wins. Show. I have a patient who's a, a Dallas fan, and every time I bring it up, she gets so mad. <laughs> and then she told me that, okay, well, if the if the Knights aren't playing the Stars, then I'll root for the Knights. So I'm like, oh, so you're going for the Knights now in the Stanley Cup? And she's like, no, I hate the Knights. They eliminated <laughs> my Stars. I hope they lose. And I'm like, sheesh. You're like, wait, wait, what happened to I our thought, deal? Hey, I thought we were cool. I, I was like, oh, you your, treat, your treatment's <laughs> done then. Go go home. I'm done with you. I got you a t-shirt. I got you a hat. That's what it's right? You're trying to rep for BGK here. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks yeah. again. Um, do all, like, share, do all the things. We appreciate everybody for listening. Um, and until then, we'll catch you guys next week. All right. Bye, guys. The information in this video or podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content, including text, graphics, images, and information contained in this video or podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace your professors or a consultation from your own doctor or healthcare professional.